All right, guys, welcome into the latest episode of Starting Lemon Podcast. I got Grant rolling with here with me here today. I'm Emilio Pena. What a crazy week of soccer slash football we just had with, I think the biggest uh, thing that's happened in the last week was Napoli secured their first Serie A championship in 33 years, the Scudetto, as they will say over there. Pretty remarkable achievement. The last time that that happened, that they won, you know, the Berlin Wall was still up. A lot of other historical things have happened that are escaping my mind now that I'm actually talking about it, of course. But yeah. still, just just remarkable that they were able to accomplish this, especially with the way that Juventus had dominated for 10 years and then the two Milan teams trading it the last two years. So super cool to see Napoli secure that championship. And then I think they played uh, Atalanta, maybe. And they had the the guard of honor for them when the game started, which was really cool. Love to see the respect being paid and everything. But Grant, you and I have been pretty big on the Napoli train this year. We both wanted them to make the final for the Champions League. Unfortunately, they were eliminated, but great for them to get this silverware nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Napoli has been always like an interesting team these last, I don't know, 10 years. They've always had like a solid squad, but just like never had enough to really do something in like Europe. Like was in and out of making Champions League knock, knockout stages. They got a lot of unfortunate groups and it was a big transition year. There were a lot of guys that left some big names and you're kind of wondering what, what they were going to look like. But I mean, the business they have done has been absolutely incredible. Like Kavaria Shelia from the Georgian League for 10 million, like... I don't know if I've ever like heard anybody else linked with him and he turns out like in a year turned into one of the best left wingers in the world but yeah this season, yeah exactly just like these I don't know like I guess I couldn't even say Kavar Shelia was like a solid player before this because like the Georgian league <laughs> right yeah exactly but yeah I mean they've done incredible business Spalletti's done with the team is absolutely incredible but they kind of pulled away I feel like pretty early this year and then there was I mean one of the most consistent teams and then it kind of helped there was no I don't know real title surge from anyone else in the Serie A uh, the Milan teams were kind of inconsistent Juve had their big scandal and have not been the Juve of like years past, but I'm just really excited to see them win a major trophy. They definitely deserve it. And I hope they can keep this team together. I know obviously when you're a team like Napoli, not the biggest team in the world, it's hard to keep players because the big clubs offer a ton of money. You just can't turn down hundreds of millions of pounds and I don't know, big contracts for the players money-wise. But yeah, I would love to see this team stay together, get another transfer window or two in and run it back and see what they can do. Right. Now that they've won this trophy, it's like maybe the mentality is like, okay, we probably should have gotten further in the Champions League. Champions League. So let's try and run this back. I, I'd like to see that mentality from them just because they were pretty close and without disrespecting Milan too much. Mm-hmm. They kind of benefited from some injuries on the side of Napoli, which was uh, yeah. partially why they went down. But obviously, that's every team goes through that. But more the reason to try and run it back, I'd say. One thing I'm, I'm a little... I don't want to say nervous about, but uh, one of my friends, uh, Sam, who's a Juventus fan, was telling me how uh, Juve was trying to is trying to take uh, Napoli's sporting director. His name is is um, I'm I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but uh, he was instrumental in bringing guys like Kavarshelia and Kim in to help the team uh, booster uh, bolster the team after some key players like uh, Koulibaly and Insigne had left. So obviously that's still to be determined what happens with him, but. Um, 
yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting footnote for the story to see how far that they can go, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think sporting director have like having a real quality one absolutely changes a club and is like such an overlooked part of like just the club in general. Like, I don't know, they kind of help set one. They like are like the in-between from like way up management, owner, president, whatever it is. And like manager, they're like that middle ground, the communicator, and they kind of handle all like the scouting. I mean, look, if this dude's finding gems like Kavara Shelley in the Georgian league, like uh, that's a class pickup if you may get them. But again, want to want to keep this Napoli team together. I want to see want to see them win a lot more in the future. Now, you had mentioned finding him in the the Georgian league, and it's probably going to sound like I'm the biggest Kim and Jay fan in the world, even at times I've yeah. said his name today. But I'm pretty sure he was playing in like mid tier China league. So like, yeah, I think I saw like a like a YouTube short IG reel, one of those little short videos. I was talking about mm-hmm. how they found him at Diamond in the Rough, which, um, like you said, that's that's pretty important. And you know, if you're a fan of like American football, maybe it's like a it's like a general manager kind of you know helps uh you know build the team per se. Um, exactly. So yeah, that, that that could be a big loss, but we'll see. Just nice to see some uh, some parity in the top of the leagues for sure. Yeah, and and you know while we were talking about Juve, just super quickly, it's uh it's looking like they're gonna stay in the top four for this year. So we'll be seeing them back in the Champions League next year too. Yeah, what a wild! Like you said, it's nice to see parity across all these leagues. It seems like for the most part, uh, some new teams rising, some falling. But yeah, the Serie A has been an absolute roller coaster, and I can't imagine like the people that have like followed it heavily because I don't know Juve was like Chelsea down, Chelsea bad for a second, and right. then, then shot back up. They're making top four. The Milan teams like they've been real inconsistent in Serie A, but now they're both in the semifinal for the Champions League. Roma has been real streaky with Jose. Like Atalanta, Lazio have made their pushes. So I don't know. Syria, I think, is real interesting and definitely a championship I'm going to follow next year, way heavier than I did this year. 100%. And in an ideal world, this will help uh, Italian players in general, too, because they've obviously missed the last two World Cups, which, you know, you, you would know better than I would. But I'm sure that plays a factor in, you know, the development of these players and everything. Oh, yeah. Getting on a national stage and international tournaments and everything. So, Hopefully that'll just raise the competition even higher for uh, not just Italy, but, you know, their players going to different leagues too. So mm-hmm. you did mention how um, it's been like a roller coaster season for Juventus. Another team that's kind of had a roller coaster season is PSG. A lot of drama surrounding Leo Messi right now. Took an unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia, but uh, it seems like it's... Um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's in the, you know, it's, it's in the past now. It seems like, you know, he said his apology, the club forgave him. And, you know, he's, he's back in the, um he's back to training. He's going to play their next game more than likely. You know, I think the, the most toxic part of the situation has really just been the Paris fans. And I think they're probably mm-hmm. going to end up regretting the way that they've acted 10 years from now, depending on where the club is at and everything. So Going back to Messi, it's looking like he's probably going to leave Paris once the season's over. I know he said he wants to secure the Ligue 1 title first and everything, and he'll figure everything out in the summer. You think uh, You think he'll stay? You think he'll go to Saudi Arabia? I know you want him to come back to Barcelona, <laughs> and then there's obviously the Inter-Miami rumors too. So I was just curious where you think he'll go. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, first off, this whole thing with the messy Saudi Arabia thing has been an absolute mess. When the news first came out and it was like, yeah, he took an unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia, didn't even tell the club, whatever. I don't know about you, but like, to me, that was like, 
that's very unlike Messi. Like he's usually, mm-hmm. I don't know, not going against club orders, like regardless if he's happy, unhappy or whatever, just like making these trips or whatever. Then it comes out that what they scheduled the practice or he told PSG that he was leaving for this trip that I guess he had canceled previously and like couldn't cancel again for whatever reason. And then PSG said like, I guess never has training the Mondays after the game. So like he was like, yeah, we're going on this trip. So they, that was okay. But then they scheduled the training and then I don't know, it just seemed like a mess. And then it was originally they said PSG was going to find him, which I guess, that's fair and then it comes out it's a two-week what is it suspension from i don't know everything training and then uh, that was just wild because i mean we talked about it and uh like our group message and stuff like where was all this when like neymar was taking his trips to brazil right uh i think jules on the jules and gab podcast said this is the first time they suspended someone since the the uh purchase back in 2011 or whatever year it was yeah, and like I get PSG came out, I think in the fall and we're like, yeah, we don't want to be this like, like buy the expensive players kind of club, whatever, like we genuinely want to build like a culture and like a standard here. And I don't know, it just seemed like such an overreaction. I, I feel like their backs are against the wall because like you said, like they've been carried by this like firepower of attack and like the Mbappe's, Neymar, Messi. And then it's looking like Messi's definitely gone. Neymar, PSG, I feel like I've seen have come out and said they want him at least loaned out, like preferably sold. Marco Verratti, I've heard is on the chopping block, potentially going like to Juventus. And this team really isn't built like losing all those goals and assists and all that flair and the attack to, I don't know, really be. So they're going to need like a full overhaul. And I think just the power Messi has with the fans. I mean, I'm throwing me in there too. Like <laughs> you disrespect the king, like you're getting eat. Like it's, it sounds like it's a big diss to PSG, but he is bigger than PSG. I mean, like historically, well, he is, he's he one. Is. It's like Michael Jordan, he's bigger than the NBA. Yeah, and you think like, yeah, signing like the Ronaldo effect, you sign Ronaldo and you like gain all these fans, but now it's the pressure of keeping him happy because like those fans are definitely going to turn on you. But I agree the way the PSG fans reacted to all this going, showing up outside of Neymar and Messi's houses were, was just ridiculous. But yeah and i think the biggest thing to come out of this is like other players potentially coming into psg like they're gonna see how the fans have handled this they're gonna see how the club has handled this and regardless of the money like are you really is that somewhere you want to be and like kind of want to deal with because if they're doing this to Lionel messi pretty easy to do to (laughs) pretty much everyone else so it'll just be interesting to see how they how they respond from this because their whole like their whole thing is like made fun of for being this like club with no history and how they mm-hmm. play in this like farmer league and everything so yeah you know it's gonna be it, interesting. it's just a bad look yeah. it is a very bad look it, it's kind of proving everyone right like no one takes the league seriously like i don't know this oil money team uh just buys whatever and just runs through the league and it doesn't prove anything in europe still hasn't has spent all this money on players overpaying just because i don't know they're trying to build this team quickly getting like the sergio ramos's the older guys Mm -hmm. some just buying big names to try to make this club feel like i don't know one of like the top dogs but in reality like i don't know it just seems like it's the way it's run is just in shambles so now um transitioning over to england across the english channel another team 
that yeah uh, what was the transition from the last one another team that was uh has had their ups and downs this yeah year. i mean yeah. talk about a team with ups and downs as of late manchester yeah. united dropping their second in a row this time to west ham one nil loss and the the goal that was conceded was um you know it wasn't anything to write home about or anything it was like saeed bin rama i almost said take took a shot but it looked like he was like if it looked like he was passing it back to his own keeper the way the ball you know left his foot yeah. and the gay just I don't know what he was thinking. It just it just rolled past him and in you know found the back of the net. And next thing you know, West hands up one nil. And and even then, like you could argue that they should have gotten a penalty kick at right before um right before halftime. Uh, I think it was I think it was Lindelof. The ball like hit his hand in the box. So not that important because they won. So we don't have to spend too much time on that at all. But the real question I wanted to ask you is: United is sitting one point ahead of Liverpool, and they only have one game in hand. I was going. You know how Instagram works? It's like sometimes you'll see a picture from like two or three days ago that just pops up in your feed for some reason. That happened to me where yeah. it was a picture of like the standings and it was like, can Liverpool catch United? And I'm going in the comments and it's like, everyone's like, no way, United have two games in hand. And it's just like, well, now they only have one game in hand and they just drop points yeah. again. So to make a long story short, I wanted to ask you, do you think United will end up finishing top four? Or do you think they'll, uh, you think they'll slip away and let Liverpool creep in? I'm not saying this because you're you're my friend or anything. I'm not trying to please anybody, but I I think I, you sent uh, the remaining games for United, and just like watching the way both these clubs have played, I have I personally have Liverpool sneaking and grabbing the the fourth spot. Um, <laughs> and you know, like I I have my little beast with Liverpool, but I don't know. I think Liverpool is playing like one of the best teams in the world right now and that's given like their midfield like deficiencies they definitely need help there and they're still playing some of the best football in the world and that rotating back line because i don't know all the injury issues in defense the way like trent alexander arnold has transitioned like lines up in the right back but plays in the midfield like another genius move by Klopp that worked out immediately there was no I don't know gray area where he's like figuring it out it just like happened now Trent I don't know from the beginning of the season everyone's like ha huh, this dude can't defend kind of trashing Trent people even debating and keeping him out of the World Cup squad to now like what he's been doing and what Liverpool have been doing these past I don't know a couple months it's real hard for me to I don't know kind of like have the faith united and just how inconsistent they've been. I mean, think about the run of form they had post World Cup, couple months of just I don't know tearing through everybody, mm-hmm. and then just such a steep drop off. I, I just think Liverpool. It hurts to say too, but I think Liverpool gets it done, takes that top four spot. And where where is Marcus Rashford? Where has he been? Well, that's funny you say that because I feel like the team has just been over dependent on Rashford. It seems like some of these players are like. Well, it's okay. Rashford will save us. And yeah, like earlier in the year, post World Cup, they were you know probably the hottest team in England. And like right now, Liverpool is probably the hottest. Well, besides Manchester City, that is because they're incredibly hot. But Liverpool, six straight wins, eight straight unbeaten, and United is you know dropping points left and right. At the time, Liverpool was severely banged up. You know, uh, Luis Diaz, Diego Jota, Thiago, Fabinho, all missing missing some time. Van Dijk too. And now you got United. They've got Lissandro Martinez, Rafael Varane. I'm blanking on some other people, but that you know they're rattled by injuries right now too. So it's um yeah, it's definitely that injury bug. But um, and going back to what you're saying about Trent too, like I sent that thing in our Instagram chat. 
He uh, since April 1st, he's first in touches, first in assists, first in possession one, first in created chances created, first in penalty area entries, first in passes in opposing half. So like this new role is definitely suiting him. Liverpool has probably benefited from having some easier games in this in the back half of the schedule. You know, the the Nottingham's, the Southampton's, the Fulham's, yeah. the Leeds of the world, while uh United's got, you know, a little bit of a tougher game, some tougher games as of late. But I think I'm gonna have to wait and see another game or so before I have my official decision. Cause in my heart, I think Liverpool will make it, but you know, United's got three home games left and, you know, Wolves, Chelsea and Fulham, neither of those three teams are lighting the world on fire right now. And the away, away games at Bournemouth, who have have successfully fought out of relegation battle, which is nice for them. But it's still to be seen if United can take them down or not. But I'm going to err on the side of caution and say United make it. I mean, Europa League is definitely nothing to uh, to be upset about if that is the case, you know, as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. I mean, the way like Liverpool, it's not like they're and and there is like the off game where they kind of do. They're not like scraping by teams. It's like it feels again back to like the prime Liverpool the last couple of years where it's like they score when they want to. Like goals are coming in bunches. And I can make an argument that like these, oh, we beat like the Leeds, like the Bournemouths or whatever. Those are harder games right now than like a mid table, like mid upper top team right now because all those teams West Ham's going on or they've had some losses but like Leicester Everton today won 5-1 like these teams are fighting out of relegation so they're I think it's harder to beat like those kind of teams right now than it is to beat and it goes back to like who Man United are facing in these last three games three garbage teams uh, <laughs> but none of these guys have anything to play they're all like that that perfectly mid-table where it's like you can't get relegated and you can't get Europe so you're really fighting yeah, for that's, pride. Yeah, I mean, that is fair. But, but still, to your I point, mean, to your point Chelsea, yeah, like they yeah. finally got that win. So it's like now they're playing a little bit more loose, probably. You know, they're probably trying to yeah. like fight for spots next year on the roster. Yeah, and you just – you want to finish the season strong, like – fin- like finishing out a season on like, I don't know, three straight losses or whatever – even though you have like a gap in the summer, like the higher you are in the standings, like, I don't know, you could be battling with another like mid table team for like a player and everything's the same, but they're looking at like, I don't know how these, how the two teams play, like what's their best chances of winning. And uh, I think those points are very valuable. And again, it's just end of the year. I think everyone's just kind of emptying the tank and winning it all mm-hmm. or going for the win. So hundred percent. We just mentioned Chelsea and I wanted to loop back to them because they did get their first win, and it looks like they're safe from relegation. Usually that 40-point line is what they say yeah. is like the safety net. But yeah. um, I just want to know, like, obviously, I don't want to say obviously because it's Chelsea and you never know what they're going to do. But more than likely, Frank Lampard's going to be gone. And it sounds like yeah. Pochettino is coming in. Not confirmed yet, but, you know, that's what all the uh, the uh, rumor mills are saying right now. I did want to ask, if, if, this, if you were the sporting director, if you were in charge of Chelsea – who is like a hundred percent you want to keep next season? Obviously, Enzo Fernandez and Mikola Mudrik are on there because of those long-term contracts they signed. But I wanted to know if there was anyone that you thought was like one of those, like they need to stay. I think there is one single player in that entire team that I don't listen to offers for, and that's Enzo Fernandez. Unfortunately, uh, I would love to see him somewhere else, maybe in Barcelona. But uh, he's going to be there for like eight years. But Everyone else, even Mudrick, I know it's like a long shot because like when players just sign a contract, like they're not going to move, whatever. But everyone else, like if 
a decent offer came in for well, like Kai Havertz. Like I'm listening. Raheem Sterling, I'm listening. Mason Mount, I'm listening. There's no one in that team where I'm like, yeah, like this is someone like we're going to have long term. We can build around. So, yeah, I mean, it's good and bad because you're not like sold and like stuck with certain players because you got to build. So you give the coach a fresh start to kind of come in and like pick who like who he wants and who he thinks is going to fit his system best. But at the same time, it's like, well, Potch comes in and like, Hardly any of these players fit his system. Now you got to go and like sell all these guys and bring new guys in. And it's pretty tough. And again, the way like football transfers work, um, it's not like NFLs, NBAs and stuff over here where like the team ultimately pretty much decides uh, like the players have to agree. So if Chelsea have these dudes on massive contracts, like they're going to be pretty reluctant to be like, yeah, I'll take a lot less money mm-hmm. uh, over here. But just going back to like how you said, well, Chelsea have broken the 40 point mark. They're safe relegation is just wild to think about. But that was even a thing for how 35 much games in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly, at this point, it is kind of fun, maybe not for Chelsea fans, obviously, even though they were chanting uh, the like, we're staying up this weekend after they won. Uh, they're kind of like having have a some decency. It, but, but yeah, it, it is kind of fun having like a dumpster fire top team when it's not your team, obviously. Mm-hmm. But and as bad as Bully has been, uh, you at least got to give him credit for like at least spending money and putting himself out there. He's at the games in the press just taking criticism, but it's. The nightmare is almost over. I think the summer window is really going to determine if it's another year of this or if Chelsea are going to have a big bounce back year. It's really funny, just real briefly about Todd Bowley was, yeah, obviously there's this whole like um, writer strike going on in Hollywood and everything. And I saw mm-hmm. this post where it was like the Hollywood reporter saying something about like Jenna Ortega, like mocking writers yeah. a couple months back or whatever that's that's not the important part but someone quoted the tweet was saying like todd Bo- like i guess todd bully owns like the hollywood reporter and okay. in my head i was just like todd bully's got bigger fish to fry right now chelsea chelsea might get relegated <laughs> yeah. this was like a week ago or so but i was just like Ch- todd bully is not focused on that right now he's he needs to get li- he needs to get chelsea out of the relegation zone yeah oh dude <laughs> yeah dude it's bad i mean and it sucks too because like we have not been like there is like a stigma having like the Americans, like American ownership, like American players in these leagues. And like these dudes are just not helping. We have not had a good track record. Like we started to get back on track with like Clint Dempsey. He was pretty class. Uh, Pulisic had a lot of talent. Didn't work at work out at Chelsea. But I'm now looking back, it might be because at Chelsea, what uh, West McKinney's had, had just absolutely awful at Leeds. Gio Reyna situation. Yeah, his family is just an absolute mess. What's his name? Uh, Jesse Marsh, terrible at Leeds. Uh, the only saving grace is Aronson's young, uh, but he, I don't know, fell off very quickly and has a lot of improving to do. Only saving graces we have are like the Tim Reams, who are old, which Pep Guardiola said, if you were younger, I'd definitely buy you. You'd be mm-hmm. in my team, which is pretty cool to hear. Anthony Robinson and uh, Tyler Adams. But yeah, I mean, we've taken a massive step back. So I don't know, this top bully thing definitely isn't helping the stigma. But just uh, just adds fuel to the fire for the 2026 World Cup run. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And while we're here, actually, 
Uh, I want to say congratulations on getting your question answered by uh, oh, Liverpool thank you. legend Stevie thank Nichol you, on Extra thank Time. Uh, I just want a reaction of, on his thoughts and what the question was and what you asked. Sure, I know. Sure. But... So I'm going to – I took a screenshot, of course, because I was geeked that happened. But the verbatim question was during the Fulham game, Liverpool had Diego Jota, Darwin Nunez, and Mohamed Salah starting up front. And I want to know if Stevie Nichol was – Jurgen Klopp, who he thought should be the starting three up front going into next season. And based off of the body language and everything, I felt like he uh, he thought it was a good question, which pretty proud. He said something along the lines like, well, if there was an important game tomorrow, I'd imagine it would be Diaz on the left, Gakpo up front, and then Mo Salah on the right, like he always is at. And mm-hmm. um, I think I agree with him, honestly. The only thing I ha- the only issue is like, I just love Diego Jota. So it's <laughs> like, I want to see him in there starting. And it's fun. You know, I, I put the screenshot on my Instagram. Brian Kennel, we've talked about Brian before, big Bayern yeah. fan and everything. He, he interacted. He was like, oh, that's dope. What did he say? And I, you know, I told him and I was like, I told him the same thing, how I'm a really big fan of Jota. And he's like, what about Jota playing in the cam role, center attacking mid? And I was like, well, it's funny you say that because against Fulham, Gakpo did start, but he was starting in the cam role. It was um, it was different because usually I, I don't think Klopp's ever run a different formation than the four three three while I was at Liverpool. But he switched it up. It was mm-hmm. a four two three one with um, Gakpo in that center mid role, and then Darwin Nunez up front. Diaz uh, came off the bench. So if anything, I think Gakpo could uh, play that midfield role because he played midfield against Madrid in the second leg out of necessity with uh, Henderson and uh, Stefan Bajatic getting uh, picking up illness at the time. Time. So, you know, I could see Gakpo being a midfielder, but you got to use that 6-4 frame, I feel like, as a as that traditional number nine role. Overall, though, I mean, I think I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you have to be pretty excited about the attack for next season. It's just a matter of shoring up that midfield. Alexis McAllister is, is allegedly coming over, which I think is a fantastic move. Great pivot from Jude Bellingham. Uh, save some money anyway. Get Trent Alexander in that that midfield role and then uh maybe get like another center back or another uh right back or something and just uh sky's yeah. the limit i'd say yeah you guys are in a good spot it's a good problem to have like oh which one of our attackers like what three are we going to play we have like six that are quality mm-hmm. enough but i wouldn't stray too far away from uh the jude bellingham hopes uh, he did come out and say he is willing to stay in dortmund for another year perfectly fine with that if like the team like he wants to play for mm-hmm. uh, is going to get him. So he and Trent are like, I still hope, you know, they're like this. It seems like, you know, yeah. SDs. Yeah. I would love again. Tough to say. Cause I have, I've had my beef in the past with that uh, Liverpool, but Trent and the Merseyside Derby. The thing is and, though, is if he doesn't come, just... if he doesn't come to Liverpool, he's going to Madrid. So, you know, it'll just be worse for you that way. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm actually crossing my fingers and hoping it's Liverpool. So yeah, me too. Me too. Real quick before we take off, though, I did mention Madrid, so I feel like I have to mention that they just won the Copa del Rey. Nothing too eventful, but uh, another trophy. I think it actually, I think it actually was Madrid's 100th trophy as a club, and then Benzema's 25th for the club, which pretty cool. That's crazy to um, think about. I know it's 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 super crazy, but do you think that, that you think they'll carry this momentum into the Champions League tie against Man City this week, or do you think uh, I know you picked City to win overall, but do you think that helps them in this first leg since it's going to be at the Santiago Bernabeu? 
Uh, I definitely hope not, <laughs> but I don't know. You definitely come out, come out of that regardless of who you played. It was Asasuna feeling pretty good. You got a trophy under your belt. Uh, then you kind of play with a little less pressure because for a team like Madrid, that's like expected to win trophies every year. Like you got one, even if you miss out on Champions League final or don't win a trophy, it's like, well, like we got, we got the Copa del Rey, not the biggest thing, but uh, we walked away this season with some hardware. But that's actually crazy that Benzema has won a quarter of Real Madrid's trophies. Mm-hmm. Like that's wild to think about. And I saw something that out of Tony Cruz's entire time at Real Madrid, this is his first Copa del Rey, which is wild to think about. They haven't won it since, but I'm actually about to look to see how many, like when the last time they won was. Wow, I didn't realize it, but this is their first Copa del Rey since 2013-2014. Yeah. That just that yeah. just sounds shocking. I guess it has been a lot of uh Atletico and a lot of Barcelona. Yeah, definitely a lot of Barcelona in there. Yeah. Yeah, we have definitely dominated like domestically, but I mean they I mean, think about it, like all the Champions League runs are going through Copa del Rey kind of ends later in the season. Uh the focus really has been just dominating the Champions League, which they've done extremely well. So Wow, I didn't realize that Barcelona won four in a row right after Madrid had won their most uh, recent prior to this year. So Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah but all right. Well uh got the Champions League this week and some some um Europa League ties. Got a great week of international football and then some uh some club fo- some league football over over the weekend. Uh get a chance to see some relegation battles bouncing around had some bounce around today with that everton game so this this home stretch of the season is going to be great so um mm-hmm. you know definitely definitely tune in we're going to be tuning in and then we'll have some reactions for you next week so thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week